So I want you to again look with me to Mark chapter 12. If you can put it on the screen for me, the scripture. Thank you. And verse number 28. Oh, blessed be Jesus. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him. Asked Jesus, that is. Which is the first commandment of all. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse number 30. I want you to read verse number 30 and 31 with me out loud on the count of three. So you look at the screen and we'll be all on the same version. One, two, and three. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Say amen to that. And now for God to make us one as he already has in this service. Help me. Pray for me, would you? I ask you and I beseech you and I take it seriously. Would you pray for me this morning and I'm going to pray for you. Oh, Father, I thank you today that whatever hour we lost, we will not lose any ground for having been in your house. He is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus be the Lord over this service. And I don't want to just preach for preaching's sake. And I don't want to be boring. And I don't want to be untimely. And I don't want to be housed in flesh alone. Give me divine unction from the Holy Ghost. And God, I don't want to exploit this congregation or uh, take advantage of this microphone. We are laborers together. We are not enemies, oh God. We are brothers and sisters in the same family of God and the human family. And so God, I pray that you would just release your anointing on the hearers. And may the seed of God's Word find good ground in our minds and hearts. And may the Holy Ghost send the former rain and the latter rain. And let that seed grow into maturity. Where no one has to ask us if we belong to Jesus. It will just come forth naturally. We commit ourselves to your care. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being seated. He is the Lord. I find myself returning to this passage because of God's direction for this church. After our fasting and pray in January, the Lord caused me to intersect with that wonderful book written by Francis Chan entitled Crazy Love, which some of you begin reading and somebody zipped me an email this week and said, Pastor, it should be required reading for everybody. To them I agree. But that was, that was sort of an impetus to, to answer my prayers. On the heels of the fasting and praying, and, and one of the first sermons I preached to you was entitled, This Thing of Lukewarmness, and I spoke about what is your temperature. This is now about six or seven weeks ago. And we talked about marriage and the family on Valentine's Sunday. Then we talked about being obsessed with Jesus. Then I talked about totally being totally sold out to Christ. Then last Sunday I spoke to you about one consuming passion, part one. And this is not just something that is because I got to preach, I got to get a topic. 
This is something a part of my search for having been here 25 years. I, I know for 25 years in the same church, just like you know your job if you've been there a long time. You know how to grind it out if you have to. You know how to put your hand to it with your mind not being in it. I'm starting to preach now and you can go ahead and start saying amen. Yeah. I, I preach sermons, so I know how to get up on the outline. And I've, I've done, uh, you know, I've done praise and worship. So if I just needed to grind it out, I, I would know how to. I'm not trying to be pompous here. I'm just telling you the way that you can become after being in a place for a long time. And, and you can become sort of like a, uh, like a puppet on a stage and having the people's voices and respond uh, kind of me- mechanically move you. But I've asked God for me not to be starchy. If I got another five days, five years, or 25 years here, and I'm not planning to go elsewhere, I want to be somebody that is sold out to God first. Sold out to God. I want you to know I'm sold out to South Metro Ministry. I'm sold out to your family. I'm sold out to Revival. But, oh God, my life comes from the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I want to learn more how to love the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my spirit. I don't want you to love Alan Matura more than you love God. I don't want you to love South Metro Ministries more than you love God. I don't want you to love good choir music and praise and worship more and that's the reason why you come i want those to be the byproducts i want you when you get up on sunday and then you get up on monday that you start out your day thinking god you woke me up this morning you put lungs in my brother air in my lungs and beat in my heart and seeing in my eyes and walking in my feet and life in my body and i want to just go out today and light the world afire with Passion for God. <laughs> I don't know where I get this energy. But I brought me a little teaching aid here this morning. To remind me what I'm about. I got a, I got a bottle of barbecue sauce right here. You know what the name of this barbecue sauce is? Hellfire and brimstone barbecue sauce. Purgatory level is what it says. It's been in my office for about three years. The under part of that says, this stuff will make you whistle and grin. I don't know if I can whistle and grin at the same time, but I'm about to take a swig of this. While I'm not about to preach on on hellfire, I don't think, and brimstone, I'm about to tell you something, friends. That if I am going to leave this world being remembered for anything, let it be that he loved Jesus Christ. Let that be your testimony. And sometimes if it takes a little hellfire and barbecue sauce to light your fire, so be it. And if I don't see your fire lit, I'm going to pour it out on some of you just in case. But God bless you and I'm only kidding. I told you last week that there were passion killers out there that will steal you, your affections, and your passion. Anytime you strive to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, the devil will see to it that you get distracted or detoured. What is this thing about passion? Passion is defined as intense driving or overmastering feeling of conviction. What is passion? Passion is intense emotion, compelling action. Passion is strong desire or emotion to some object, activity, or concept. You remember when you were dating... And how you were pursued passionately. You remember when you were 
Not only pursued, but you were the pursuer. And how passionate you were. Now I can look at some of you and tell you the pilot light's going out of that. And I love you and I don't mean anything bad. But passion is a thing that, that takes a everyday ordinary athlete and let he or she get some passion in them. A goal in mind. I, I, I'm not only going to run in the race, I'm going to win the race. Passion moves an average everyday athlete to one who seeks the gold, silver or bronze or breaks the records. Can I get an amen? Passion will take a scientist or a researcher and keep them up long hours at night, get them up early in the morning and let them research a cure for something incurable because of their passion. Give me, give me a witness, somebody. Passion will take somebody who might have come from a family or a genealogy that didn't really have a lot of success, didn't really have a lot of uh, academic, performing academically people in their family. And passion will take somebody out of somewhere and say, I want to graduate high school. I want to graduate college. I want to get a good job. I want to get a promotion. I want to buy the company one day and own other companies. Passion will drive your spirit. And then when God says it comes to him, he says you ought to be more passionate about athlete, uh, more athlete, uh, passionate about him than you are about being an athlete. Give me an amen. More passionate about him than you are about graduating anything. Can I get another amen? More passionate you are about researching anything. Because while the world says you can be mediocre in your church attendance, while the church says to be, world says to be politically correct, you can be passionate about everything. But God, I'm not living by the drumbeat of the world. I'm living by the word of God. And the word of God said that I and you ought to love the Lord with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. God first. I told you last week about four passion killers. I will not elaborate. I'll just highlight because I have three more I want to tell you about. An unbalanced schedule will kill your passion. Too much going, doing, performing, working. Too much chasing after the almighty dollar. Chasing after career. Producing, grinding it out. Even too much good things. Like even ministry in the church. If you keep doing, doing, doing and never pause and have balance in your life to steal away with God and pray and come to worship and feed your soul and, uh, and take some rest along the way. Even Jesus with his disciples would steal away during the course of his earthly ministry to a desert place or a quiet place and retreat for some rest and prayer. If you don't have that balance, you'll lose your passion, even if it's for a good thing you had it for. And then the counterpart of that is if you're lazy and you're never doing anything. And you're always taking in, taking in, taking in, getting the blessing, getting the sermon, getting the singing, getting all the favor of God and never doing ministry. If you never give out and you never use what God has given you, you will also lose your passion. Not only is that the case, but an unused talent will extinguish our passion. You may not feel talented, but God doesn't make junk and he didn't make junk when he made us. And the reason we are different is because God has a place for us in the world and in the kingdom. And you might not have yet discovered your gift, your talent, your skill, the area of your passion. But there is one in you to be found. And God gave it to you, not for you alone, but for others. My passion was given to me to help others find their passion. 
And my gift was given to me to bless other people with my gift. Your gift, your time, your talent, your treasures was given to you by God. Not for you and I to keep sucking in the blessing, but for us to be a conduit to bless somebody else. And if you don't lose your talent, you will lose your talent. I told you last week, unconfessed sin. Because passion... For God and guilt will not run the same track. One cannot be passionate about God and have hidden sins in the closets of their lives. One cannot show up on Sunday and be in the house of God and expect signs and wonders and miracles to come in their life. When Saturday night or Friday before they've been dabbling with pornography. I'm just preaching here this morning because I'm talking about cleansing to get the fire relit in us. One cannot treat their wife or their husband or their children with anger and malice and control and call themselves passionate for God. We cannot violate the scriptures and expect God to bless us with healings and callings and anointing in our lives. So here's the beauty of it. When the Holy Ghost shows us that there's a sin, confess it and repent and be grateful. You don't have to wait to Sunday morning communion in church if the Holy Ghost showed you Wednesday that you did something wrong. Pull your car off the side of the road and turn off the talk show and say, Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing to me that I did something wrong before leaving the house. Oh, I offended somebody. And I thank you for loving me that I, that, that you remind me that I need to confess. I confess. I agree with you, Lord. No argumentation. I am wrong. Forgive me. And right there, God will wash you and cleanse you. And you can have the rest of the week in passion for God. I told you last week, the fourth thing is unresolved conflict will steal your passion. And the devil's desire is to get us at odds with each other in our marriage, with our boss, with our pastor, with our coach, with our teacher, with our brothers and sisters. And if you are in conflict or tension with people, your passion goes out. Because when you're in conflict, there are three emotions that kill your passion. I just reviewed very quickly. When you're in conflict and, and, and have words and disagreement, uh, resentment comes in. Resent how God could bless them and I've been so faithful he's not blessing me. Resent how they haven't asked me to forgive them and they're going on like everything is okay. And it steals your joy. Then if resentment doesn't do it, jealousy will do it. Jealousy will say, I've been working as hard as they have. They got the raise and promotion and I'm still at this level. Help me preach here, somebody. Jealousy will steal your passion. If you're an athlete and you worked hard and, you, and you did, you're always on the bench and it'll steal your passion. Not only jealousy and resentment, but anger. Anger will steal your passion. Because anger wants to make you get even. Anger wants you to get revenge. Anger wants you to go to that person or that place and have the last word while you shake your finger in their face. And yet the Lord says, vengeance is mine. And if you're going to go on with your life, you got to forgive. Somebody say amen. 
I have, you have. I told you last week, I was very transparent with you. And I'll tell you again that in 25 years of pastoring here, I have hurt some people's feelings. And in 25 years of pastoring here, people have hurt my feelings. But I'm not here always about being stroke and soothe and cajole. If I've hurt some people's feelings and I can find them, I need to find them and ask them to forgive me whether they ask me or not to forgive them. If I'm going to be something for God, i got to get my act together. You ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some thanks here. So... Here's the fifth one that I didn't get to, but I will today. This is all that the Holy Spirit gave me last week, and I just went back and cultivated it again. Unsupported lifestyle will kill your passion. You see, by that I mean sometimes you and I lose passion for God because we're not spending time around other people who have, who have passion for God. We're not spending time around other Christians. We're not in fellowship with other Christians. But let me show you what the wise man Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Look on the screen. Two. Meaning two people. Two are better than one. Because if one falls down, his friends can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Give me a witness here, somebody. I'm trying to say to you what you already know by this verse, that we need each other. We all fall sometime. We all stumble in life's journey sometime. So when we do, two is better than one. We have somebody to pick us up, brush us off, embrace us, and go arm in arm with us in the kingdom. Now, this is why you need to be involved in a small group at the church. We have small group ministries here, not because we want to tie up your schedule or tie up our leader's schedule, but we have small group ministries in this church because we need some support in living for Jesus and fighting the devil. You need to be in a small group. You need to come to Monday night's men's discipleship. Six weeks have been finished recently. We'll resume it next month. Look in the worship folder. And there are discipleship class for your interest and area of need as well as prayer. You need to get involved in the women's Bible study on Wednesday night, on Monday night, ladies, because uh, they come together while they have 100, 130 or so. It's facilitated by my wife. It's a Beth Moore study on freedom. But what happens is, even though there are that many people, they break down in the first hour in the small groups, tables of about 10, and they share the word and they build relationships. Can somebody say amen? You need to be, you need to be involved in a, in, in a ministry in the church. Of, we have multiple recovery house. We, we have a Joseph storehouse. We have a choir ministry. We have youth ministry, children's ministry. Not just to give you something to do and keep you busy, but in the networking of meeting other people, you'll find that somebody else went through a divorce like you're going through. And by God's grace and their prayers, they made it. It'll help you. You'll find out by going to a small group. See, if you decide to to join a small group when you come into a tragedy or a bad place or you stumble and fall, that may be too late. You know what blesses me? And this will will be the fifth funeral in 11 days. Two of them today. And what blesses me is when I go, Pastor Jeff, to the funeral and I see the family being supported by friends, neighbors, and church people. My brothers and sisters, please hear me. I have done funerals. Where there's been no more than six people for that person lying in that box. I have other pastor colleagues here who have done funerals 
called by funeral homes. And if just a fraction of people there, you got to live your life in such a way. In such a way that you have a testimony, not because you need pallbearers at your funeral. Can I get an amen here? But in such a way that, that because you are passionate for God and you love life and other people, somebody will grieve at your going. Did anybody hear what I said this morning? But not only that, brothers and sisters, life is tough. And because life is tough, I want you to understand kids get involved with the wrong group and you need somebody to pray with you. Somebody goes to jail and they they affect your family and you need somebody to help you. Somebody goes to the doctor and there is a spot on the lung and it shows that it may require a biopsy and it comes back with the potential of malignancy. and, and, And you find out this news and even though you're Christian, you need somebody to who has who has had a miracle or know somebody who could pray and touch heaven to touch heaven for you because we need each other you see we were built for relationships give me an amen built for relationships and no wonder no wonder god made eve because adam needed relationship god created we humans for relationship in the prison system in america If the prison system wants to give the inmate the most harsh punishment, they will put the inmate in solitary confinement. Am I right with that? No other human being, no human voice, no CDs, no DVDs, no books, in a small cell, no light, and that It's almost paralyzing. Because we were built for relation. I know many of us live like, I don't need nobody. (laughs) Let me tell you something. God never meant for each of us to be an island to ourselves. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. I suppose what, what what I want you to understand is, whether you're single or married, we need relationships. Having been a pastor for a long time, I have seen a lot of people continue in their passion for God. And I've seen a lot of people lose their passion for God. In my 25 years of serving this congregation, I've seen people come on in the journey with zeal and fire, saved, baptized in water, join the church, get a ministry as they grow. If we could have kept everybody on fire with zeal and passion for God as they started out during the 25 years of my ministry, we would probably be seated now in a three to 5,000 seat sanctuary if they all stayed. Anybody getting my drift? But Satan conspires to distract us. When Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Let me tell you something. Sports Illustrated is not going to save your soul. Athleticism and Hollywood and American Idol. We are passionate for, it seemed like in the American church, for everything else but God. Even while I preach, some people's priority is their belly. When is that loud, bald, short man going to zip it so I can go? 
I know I'm not always a ball of fire. And I know I'm not always the greatest thing to listen to. But some of you ought to stand up where I'm standing up now and look at some of you. I'm sure not getting passion from some of you. I got passion from this hell fine brimstone barbecue sauce. Yeah. I know my anniversary is coming. I got to be sweet. So I'm being sweet. You should, you should hear what I was <laughs> going to say. Yeah. Some of you come to church like the crowd before you. And some of you here, they come and they like, I, I paid my ticket to Disney World. Now, thrill me. I'm not mad. I'm just telling you. If you're ever going to get on fire for God, tomorrow is too late. You don't have to be like me. But thank God I don't have to be like you. But somewhere in the in-between, we can get together. But you know what happens? As a pastor, and I'm not targeting anybody. This was written down, printed out last week. And I just go back and visit again and edit it, whatever, okay? But as a pastor for the same, I've seen pattern of people growing cold. They start missing church. Now, I don't mean missing attending church every Sunday. I mean they start falling out of relationships with people in the church and leaving first before the final amen and coming late. You see, I don't talk about just missing attendance because there are many passionless Christians coming to church every Sunday. Just because you come to church and sit in a pew doesn't mean you're passion. But people, I have had people give me every kind of excuse as a pastor for why they need to take a break and take a recess and quit the ministry or even quit the, the, the involvement in the areas of their work. And I try to be a shepherd and I try to be compassionate because I know marriage changes. I know babies are born in the family. I know jobs are changed. I know that there are elderly people in our families that need some attention. And for a certain fraction of time, the people need to divert their attention because they can't, be, they can't provide the care or do some other things they need to do and be involved passionately in, in, a, in a ministry. And I understand that. But, but here's, what I, here's what troubles me is that they get used to being out. They get used to taking care of grandma or grandpa or taking the kids over here, they get used to this job change, or they get used to making a little bit more money, and they get used to having their own time and leisure, and the next thing you know, God's far away from them. Their heart turns cold. Next thing you know, it's a struggle to pray over the meal before we have lunch. The next thing you know, I really, I'm so busy now, I don't pray over the little children before they go to bed at night. God gets far. The next thing you know, next thing you know, they, they, they have become distracted and lukewarm. And they've, and I told you some Sundays ago, that God hates lukewarmness. Please understand, a week we can argue the theology later on. Make an appointment if you need to and we'll talk about it. But nowhere do I find God saying that there is anything like a lukewarm Christian. It's just a way to describe how a Christian can become and lose their faith. Jesus said, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you, spit you out of my mouth. I don't want that to happen to any of us. 
So we need to be around people every Sunday and all during the week. People who have passion for God. We need each other. You know, they say opposites attract. In marriage in particular. And sometimes you don't find out until after you're married that we're really opposites. I could never understand. Valerie and I have been married 31 years. But in, in, the, in the formative years of our marriage and raising children and being a public school teacher, she was and now an elementary school principal. She used to stay up late hours at night, 11, 12 o'clock. Being a mommy, being a teacher, being a pastor's wife. And I'm so grateful that you celebrated Valerie yesterday. Really am. Come 10 o'clock, she's wide open at night. I'm thinking, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I'm, I'm, I'm not a night person, but I'm a morning person. I get up about, I, I like to get up early. I do my devotions, etc. Because I'm a, I'm a morning person. And I, I feel like I can be more productive in the morning times up until noon time. And as the day wanes, i got to have a little more passion. They say opposite the track. But I need Valerie because she, I, I need to also stay up a little late sometimes too, to, to accomplish some other things. When, when we first got married, I'm from the Caribbean and we like seasoned spicy foods in the Caribbean. I got some witness Caribbean. Huh? I, I thought Valerie's, she liked her food only with salt and pepper. It was bland. I like my food with a little hellfire brimstone barbecue sauce. With the diversity we have at South Metro Ministry, we need each other. Our diversity can become our strength. Can I get a praise report here with the clapping of the hands? Look at what the Bible says. I, I'm not trying to be mean, but look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us, not cons- let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day of the coming of the Lord approaching. I'm not just trying to get you to fill up these pews so I can have somebody to yell at. I'm trying to get you to heaven until you come together in worship because the day of the Lord is near. Jesus is coming sooner than you think. The signs of His coming are imminent, replete, visible earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, violence. So gather together to encourage one another even more frequently for the Lord is coming soon. You know what else hinders our passion? An unclear purpose. When you forget the purpose for your life, it's a sure way to kill your passion your life for God. If you don't know the purpose for your life, why bother? Why get up in the morning? Why put forth an effort? If you don't know the purpose for why you are in this world, you are not in this world. No, I'm in this world. Just to occupy space, suck in air and let it out. You are not, and I'm not just in this world. Our purpose in life is to feed our face and go to work and come home, take care of family and go to bed. That's not, that's byproduct. You have to eat and you have to sleep. But if we don't know a purpose for life, life without purpose is like activity without direction. 
Can I get an amen here? Life without purpose is like motion without meaning. What do I mean? I mean they can be sipping lemonade on the front porch while you rock in a rocking chair and that will feel good for a little while. After 30 minutes, the lemonade's over and rocking's over. Motion without meaning means that when you get up from that rocking chair, you then went and got up from the place you started and hadn't been nowhere. No purpose. That's why I don't get on the mind bender and the screen machine at Six Flags. Pay money, finish and throw up, and get off the same place I got on. Oh. If I'm gonna get sick, why pay money to get sick? No, I'm not against your kids doing that, but I'm talking about life without purpose is motion without meaning. Did you hear me? Life without purpose is trivial, petty, pointless. Okay, let me show you very quickly. I want to show you the purpose for which God made us. And I'm not going to elaborate, but I'll put it here so you can have them. All of us were made with the first purpose, and that is worship to God. Our worship to God helps us to get to know God. And when we get to know God, we'll know He's passionate about us. Please hear me when I tell you that God did not create Adam and Eve in the garden because... He needed somebody to water the plants. God didn't create Adam and Eve in the garden because he needed a security in the, in the garden. God created Adam and Eve and every human being thereafter, inclusive of you and I, for worship unto God and relationship with God. Relationship with God. Then God created us for fellowship. Everybody say the word fellowship. Fellowship, fellowship with other believers. Where they bring out our strengths and we bring out our strengths. Fellowship where we pray for one another, encourage one another, laugh with one another, cry with one another, grow in the word together because everybody needs somebody. Let me back up. The word of God. God created us so we could know his word and love his word and live his word. God said, I created you for other things. I want you to have family. I want you to have job. I want you to have education. I want you to have a house. But I want you to know my word. Because the word of God is our plan, a map, our road map to get to heaven. And if you'll know it, you'll know how to get there. The word of God is our milk. It's our meat. It's our sword. It's our shield. It is our power. Can I get another amen? And in order for you to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, and occasionally have your pilot light relit with passion, you've got to hide your face in the Word of God and let it change your life. David said, that Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible said he sent the Word and healed his people. Somebody ought to say amen. This Word is better than any prescription the doctor can give you. And if you want to get your passion relit, hide yourself someplace where there's no distraction and read the Bible and know your God. Ministry. When I say that God created you for ministry, I don't mean everybody here is going to be a missionary like the Ross family. When I say God created for ministry, I don't mean that everybody's going to be a pastor or somebody in the clergy. If you're a housewife, you can minister. The best housewife you can be. 
do it for the glory of God. If you're a school teacher, do it for the glory of God. If you're an airline pilot, a plumber, electrician, if you, if you drive at the back of the garbage truck and get people's trash, you can do the best you can and do it for the glory of Somebody ought to say amen. Too many of us are waiting for the limelight and for our name and lights and for somebody to recognize, somebody to find us. God didn't call all of us and any of us, I don't know, and he called anybody to be an American Idol. He called us to minister where we are. Mission. Mission means that I am to share my faith. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. You see, if I'm only living for Alan Matura, and if that's my purpose, that's a pretty dinky small purpose. If you, are, if you and I are just living for me, myself, and I, we've got to get something bigger, larger than that. Last thought, please. A passion can be killed by undernourished spirit. What I mean by that is, every day you and I will face all kinds of circumstances and situations that conspires to shrink our spirit and reduce our zeal. Anytime you say, I'm going to get more committed to God, more committed to church, more committed to Bible reading, more committed to tithe and giving, more committed to winning souls, more committed to being a witness for God. Better, I'm going to get more committed to making, being a better husband or a better wife, a better student. The devil and our flesh conspires to shrink our spirit and steal our zeal. Let me tell you something. Every one of us are going to face distractions and disappointments. You'll get up tomorrow and you will face life. And life consists of occasional conflicts and changes and challenges. Did you hear me? You'll get up tomorrow or the next day or the day after. And because you're living in planet earth and in this flesh. And there's a real devil and real temptations out there. And and people who are willing to let the devil use them. You are going to face frustration, fear, failure and even fatigue. You know how you overcome that? You need to write this down. You must intentionally nourish Your spirit. Again. You must purposely, intentionally, deliberately feed your spirit being. That's what you did this morning when you lost an hour of sleep. And you got up anyhow and got dressed and got in the car. Brought your family. Drove in the parking lot, got out of the car and came to church. Because everything within you crying out, there's something else to do. I don't need to go today. But you intentionally come to the house of God. You didn't feel like lifting your hands and praising God or standing up when I asked you to. Not because you're not saved and because you're, you, you don't love Jesus. Just because you just don't feel your best. But you intentionally stood up, clapped and praised God. Because if you don't do it yourself, nobody else will do it for you. Some of you get up five o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning you get up. You get that duffel bag kind of gym bag you packed last night before you went to bed. It's got your towel and your tights. Thank God we ain't got to see you in either one. 
I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. You don't want to go to the gym. It's five o'clock, for goodness sake. But if, like, if you're like me, the older you get, the more you expand your territories. <laughs> stuff that used to be here has come down here and down here, and stuff that used to be in has gone out. <laughs> stuff that used to be here, who knows where that went. Somebody told me in this front pew, the first service, just having a little fun, that their daughter or friend was praying for these plants to grow. Every Sunday, they here praying for these plants to grow, and little did she know that they were plastic plants. I said, if she gets those plants to grow, maybe she can pray for my head, and maybe I... You intentionally go to that gym... You intentionally walk in that door because you want health. Your doctor said your cholesterol is too high or your blood pressure is out of whack or your diabetes and you got to shed some pounds. And you don't want to. Everything in your human flesh cries out, I don't want to. But you go and you walk on the treadmill and you go and you pump the iron and you go and you do all the other stuff. Because if you don't do it, he exercising for me ain't going to do me a hill of beans of good. Because if it would, I'd let him. Anybody hearing this preacher? My God, help us. So you, you make a... You know, sometimes it takes time and trouble to be passionate. I, I am going to close in just a minute, but you ain't going no place else but to the restaurant. So just hang in here. Time and trouble. It takes time and trouble to take your kids to soccer practice. I know you love them, but them little demons can be demons sometimes. And I've got to have my share. Takes time and trouble to take them to gymnastics. Time and trouble to take them to cheerleading. But you love them. You love them. And you don't tell them it's time. You love them. And so you, you try to give them balance in their life and teach them Jesus. And you take them to the other places. It takes time and trouble sometimes when the whole world's crying out at you for you to open your Bible and read some, some scriptures and take some time and pray and get to the house of God. But never do you sow into your spiritual being intentionally whereby God won't make it up to you to have you have power to overcome the world and the flesh and the devil. My God help us. You know, there comes a place in time where we just got to do some things for ourselves. Yeah. You got people all across America running from church to church, hollering, I didn't get fed over here, so I'm going over here to get fed. Didn't get fed. If you are a child of God and been walking this way a little while, it's up to you yourself to feed yourself. Yeah. Now, something else, if you're a newborn in Christ, you've got to be nurtured and discipled. But if you've been going to church and serving God for a while, you've got to get off the milk and start getting on the meat yourself. If you only got your energy and your life from this pastor on Sunday morning, once a week or once every once in a while, you just came to worship and you expect to get your life and your passion, your zeal from me, you are going to run out of passion and zeal and fire. I am not your zeal, I am not your passion, and I am not your fire. I'm supposed to spur you on the way. I'm supposed to be your refueling station. But your life and your energy and your passion don't come from this preacher or Tulsa or, or any place else. It comes from you intentionally, passionately seeking God and feeding yourself every day. 
Yeah. On Monday, you got to read the Bible. On Tuesday, you got to, you got to feed yourself. You know why sometimes we struggle to have churches? Because too many people waiting to come to church to get from God before they do anything from God. What would happen to South Metro Ministry? Both of our services, people came after praying through on Saturday night. After turning the TV off. After turning the movies off. After turning their cell phone off. And say, I'm going to church tomorrow. But I'm not going to drain the church. I am going to add to the fire in the church. Yes. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We draw from each other. And every once in a while, you've got to pick up your own spoon and your own fork and feed yourself. Intentionally. Yeah. You know, my mother never gave me a break because I was the only boy. Three girls. I thought, you're the only boy. You'll carry our family name. Alan, my son. Sit here, son, and... Would you like some dates or prunes? Well, I don't know what that came from. Grapes or M&M's? Would you like for your sisters to pluck a harp and have a banana leaf and fan your boy? Mother never gave me a break. Get that room clean. When you finish, get the trash out. It's your day to wash the dishes. I iron my shirts every Saturday night before I come on Sunday. Even after I take them to the cleaners and I iron them myself. Good for me. If I'm in a hurry, I only iron the parts you're going to see. Now, I love for Valerie to do things for me. If, Valerie, if I need an aspirin and Valerie brings me an aspirin, Lewis, it tastes better. I'll pretend I have a need to get my wife to do something for me. I don't catch a break with my wife either. She didn't tell me this, but I somehow know about me ironing my own shirt and doing my own. My wife works a lot of hours. It's a calling. It's a ministry. She leaves the house very early, comes home late. And if I decide that I want her to do everything for me, she might suggest to me that I didn't marry my mother. She didn't say it, but I'm just saying it for somebody else who needs this. I figure if I'm going to have a nice shirt, i got to iron it myself. And we don't always get that. We don't like you. You are busy people. You all are busy like we are busy, many of you. We don't get to have, some days don't have breakfast, don't have lunch, and don't have dinner. And Pastor Jeff knows this. As a pastor, one of the things I learned in 25 years, you've got to learn to be a quick change artist. you got to leave regular casual clothes. You get a call, you change. Sometimes we don't even get to eat together. I think I'm starving because my wife is not feeding me. Man, I could just see her saying, boy, you need to lose some weight anyhow. You stay hungry. You and I are only as undernourished as we want to be. Come, come. Oh, help me. I'm trying to close this sermon. We are only as passionate as we want to be. If you, want to, if you want to get your fire light again, remember how God feels about you. God is hopelessly in love with you. Anybody hear me? I said, if you want to, if you want, you see, when we don't understand God's passion toward us, we can't be passionate toward Him. God is in love with us. 
He don't see us as another human being from the assembly line of heaven. Every one of us is one of his God's, God's select child. He's passionate about us. The proof is the cross. God never sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so we could have a book to read. God never sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so Mel Gibson could make a movie about the passion. God never sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so we could compete with other religions. The proof of God's passion for Alan Matura and every one of the son of my voice is when Jesus stretched his hands voluntarily to let the soldiers nail his hands and feet. The proof of God's passion is when they hoisted him on a hill outside of Jerusalem that serves also as a garbage dump called Golgotha. They hoisted him between two thieves. The sinless, spotless Son of God became sin for just a short while so that he could bear my sins and cleanse me. And Jesus' outstretched arm said, his passion for me said, I love you so much, I just don't want to live without you. So I'll die for you. Did you get it? So, I'm telling you, don't do it for me, don't do it for your mama, don't do it for your grandmama. Love Jesus because he's worthy. Please stand. Please stand. I've gone too long and I apologize, but I excuse it as passion and thank God for it. Mm. Look at me, everybody. Look at me. If this word affected you in any way to make you better, and you're unashamed of the fact that He loves you and you want never to be ashamed of Him. Never to hold back. I'm not asking you to come to be like Alan Matura. I'm asking you to come to be like Jesus. If this word touched you in any way without eyes closed, without a whole lot of time to talk yourself out of it, whether you're born again, been serving God for a long time, or never have come to this altar with haste and lift up your hands and cry out to Him who passionately if God could do anything else to show his love for us than he's already done he would have done it come on lift up your hands lift up your hands as you come say tell him what you need to say go ahead raise your voices I want you to pray with some passion tell him God I have missed it sometimes come on come on I have been more passionate over sports over money come on come on over my family I have, oh God, I'm guilty. I confess I'm guilty. So I'm not here to argue with you, God. I'm here to present myself for change. Go ahead. Come on. All of us and everybody else in the church, raise up your hands. Pray. Pray. Pray right now. I'll give you 30 more seconds to pray. And then we're going to transition into another kind of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Oh God, in the name of Jesus. I don't want you to ask him right now for your house payment. I don't want to ask you ask him right now to save your children. That will come later. I don't want you to ask him right now to, to give you a better job. I want you to just say, I want to love you, Jesus. 
Jesus, I want to be passionate about you. Do not let the fire burn out. Oh, Jesus, I am thine, O Lord. I am thine, O Lord. I am thine, O Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and its told. Sing with us. Love to but I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to Thee. Everybody sing it on the chorus. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me I want you to look at me just a moment because I want to pray over you specifically. Hear me. Hear me when I tell you that God wants to make you more useful than you've ever been. I know I've preached long and I've gone long, but this doesn't escape me. I just kept, kept coming back. Let me say it to you. Some years ago, a pastor went to see a church member who had missed church so frequently until he just quit coming. It was in a rural part of the country. It was wintertime and the pastor knocked on the door. The good member recognized the pastor, respected him and let him come in. And back in that rural part of the country, homes were heat, heated with wood in the fireplace or coal in the fireplace. And so the pastor and the, this, this member who had been delinquent in, in a church attendance and serving the Lord, they sat near the fire close enough to, to, to see the flame, to feel the heat and hear the cracking of the fire. The pastor knew why he was there, but he didn't say it immediately. And the member knew why the pastor was there, but he didn't go there either. In the course of the conversation, the pastor took one of the thongs, the thongs that you handle the coal with and the wood, and took one of the heated coal and put it on the hearth of the fire and just left it there for just a moment while they kept talking. He didn't say anything about why he did that, but they kept looking at him. They were talking small talk, something else. And pretty soon in five minutes, that coal that was taken out of the fire on the hearth turned a grayish ash looking color. The glow, the ember, the fire, and the spark was gone. And within another five minutes, the pastor, just talking casually, just picked up the coal, held it in his hand, and it began to crumble and fall. And the member said, I know exactly what you're saying, pastor. I'll be in church. Because when you get out of the fellowship, you get out of the prayer, you get out of the support, you become like that coal. You think I can make it on my own. You lose, you lose your glow, you lose your ember, you're not used to the fire, you're no used to anybody else. And Satan would blow you away like ashes eventually. I'm saying to you this morning, God wants to take you back and put you in the fire. And help you light somebody else's fire. In Jesus' name. Having seen that picture, would you lift your hands to the Lord? Everybody repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I confess I can do better. I confess, Jesus, that I have allowed excuses and reasons, sometimes very good reasons, to cause my passion to wane. Forgive me, Jesus. Relight the fire in my heart. Place me back into the fire of God with the people of God so that I can make a contribution and I can receive a blessing. 
Thank you today, God, for awakening me. And with your help, I will make you first in my life. Today, Lord, as you have washed me and cleansed me, I am now a vessel ready for the Master's use. Help me, Lord, today to be a good Christian. Help me to be a good soul winner. But best of all, let me be more like Jesus. Today, Lord, is a day of change. And I accept your gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Now put your hands together and give him thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, blessed be his name. Lay your hands on somebody's shoulder on either side of you and in the house and pray for passion to return to them. And ask God to show you how to pray. Only 30 seconds is all you have. Come on, start right now. This is my brother. This is my sister. I don't even know them. But Lord, I want to be there for them. I want them to be there for me. Come on, come on. Lord, in Jesus' name, you know what my needs are. Their needs may be the same or even more desperate than mine. Come on, pray. God, create passion in them. Get them back, oh God, on full throttle for the Lord. Get their house on fire, spiritual fire for the Lord. Get their marriage on spiritual fire. Come on, pray for them. Get their children in the house of God. Let them say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Release your anointing from person to person today. The passion of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we praise Him one more time?